0: Hey, everybody. In today's episode, we have an awesome interview for you with Andy Rozier from Vertical Worship. Andy and Matt sit down and talk about what it was like to lead worship the last 18 months with the COVID 19 pandemic and how we can move forward as worship leaders and take the challenges we faced and what we learned to better serve the Lord and better serve our church. Hope you enjoy it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of loopcommunity.com and your host for the Loop Live show. Today we have an awesome guest. My friend Andy Rozier. Andy's with Vertical Worship. He's a worship pastor at Harvest Bible Chapel here in Chicago. He and I actually worked together at Harvest Bible Chapel for many years. I think I was there for eight years or so. Um, And being underneath Andy's leadership, I learned so much about leading worship, about building set lists, about writing songs, about just leading worship, like actually what what to do when you're on stage and not just like playing through songs, but really like how do you actually lead and pastor in that moment? I've learned so much from sitting in meetings with Andy, from watching him lead worship for many years, from these conversations, and so I'm really excited to have Andy As a guest on this show, we're gonna be talking about the challenges that many of us have faced of leading worship uh, during COVID and after COVID and all of that in between. So I have a lot of really uh, interesting questions for Andy. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. So without further ado, here is Andy Rozier. Hey, Hey Andy. How's it going? Hey man, so good to see you.
1: Your words are very kind, but let the people know that I also got to witness the birth of the Luke community happen on stage with a whole bunch of gear and the luke to <laughs> version, yeah, version one, and uh, man, it was amazing to watch, to be a witness yeah. to the birth of that and the favor that, that the Lord has clearly put upon you and the ministry that you are serving people all around the
0: world with now oh man thanks it is pretty crazy to think about that you really did witness loop community being birthed like you saw the little plastic loop controller prototypes and uh-huh. when we used to have tons of like track gear on stage down below you it's yes. like and it's so right much simpler now you,
1: yeah right in front of you at the mic stand <laughs> and
0: it was overkill
1: yeah, just to think, wow, you know how how far it's come, and you've really yeah. it. Well done.
0: Well, I am really excited to actually talk to you again, just because it's first of all, it's been a long time since we've talked. We both have, yeah. we both have gray in our beards now. Yes, we do. And uh, I, you know, I really, I really did learn a lot from you. When I think back to like those years when I was at Harvest, I learned so so much. And a lot of things that I still apply every time I lead worship, still. And so I'm always excited to talk to you about worship leading things because you always have these just nuggets, gold nuggets of wisdom to share. And I've, I've seen you teach so many different worship workshops, you know, with Vertical and at Harvest. And um, so I'm really excited about this because I think that this has been a very interesting and unique time for worship leaders and churches. I am not on staff at a church right now, so I can't even imagine what, I don't think I've even fully grasped how challenging it probably has been for churches to navigate this season. And so I would be curious just to hear from you, what was it like for you and your church when COVID first hit and everything went online, people had to shift their thinking entirely, how they build set lists, all sorts of things. Like what kind of challenges did that bring about for you guys?
1: Yeah, um I mean honestly a lot of the same challenges that probably everybody experienced it all happened really fast. Uh we we actually released a record the 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 Friday um, of the week before Chicago got shut down. And then we were on stage on a Thursday night, the following Thursday night, March thirteenth, I think it was. Um and I still have my guitar around my neck. We'd finished re- rehearsing for the release concert. And my, my boss walks in and says, hey, the governor just said that we can't do anything. Like over a hundred people were shut down. And so we had to get the word out as fast as possible to like, there were people driving up from Texas.
0: Oh.
1: Uh, it, dude, it was crazy. You know, and like the worst timing. Hung out a little bit and greeted people, but um and then, you know, I remember coming back into the office and just sitting around with a few guys and just I mean the word was pivot, right? And there was pivot unprecedented there was all these words that were like flying around, right? And and I think just like everybody, we had to just kind of like figure out what can we do? And And then the second question was, how do we do it? And um, so I think for everybody, it just required a lot of kind of like thinking of how do we reach people in their homes and how do we do it? And is that just going to be kind of like going live on Facebook? But whatever it is, we have to do something. We are the church. We want to serve our people. We want them to know that, that we're there and. I think probably the gravest mistake that we could have made was like, you know, how do we continue to put on the show, you know, of the service? But instead, the top priority was just kind of like, how do we care for all these people who are being pulled out of work and be, mm-hmm. being pulled out of whatever occupations that they have that became the top of the list? And then let's address kind of how do we play a couple of songs into a camera and just get it across the finish line at the weekend, and then, and then after that, it started to grow. I mean, every seven days a weekend service comes around, so every so we had six six and a half days in between every weekend, yeah, to figure out okay, how do we do this better? And, and I would say that like what was fascinating to me, and probably to a lot of people my age, <laughs> maybe, is that you know. I've I've been in worship ministry for over 25 years. I've never seen. I've always, you know, you you would see this too, right? We've just seen kind of like different expressions of churches doing different things and and advancing the field in different ways. And it was the first time ever in my career or my lifetime I'd ever seen. The whole church go through one thing at the same time it felt like it leveled the ground mm-hmm. and that was a really beautiful thing and, and I remember being on the phone with a lot of worship leaders who were calling me and I was like guys this isn't like we're pivoting but God is not pivoting he saw this he looked down the corridor of time he knew this was coming and and he is still going to do exactly what he wants to do. It's just we have to figure out a way to, to, get, to continue to get
0: the message across. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> that is a profound thought. I actually never thought about that. That it was an experience that every church was immediately doing together and, having to, and a challenge that every church was having to figure out at the same time.
1: In the whole world, Europe, Asia, America, like we all went in at the same time. And uh, it those first few weeks were really f- um, what's the word I want to put around it? Uh, I, I went back to school a little bit, I would say, just by logging on to yeah. other people's services and watching what they were doing and probably um, um, I watched Chris Davenport at Hillsong New York, just kind of put a laptop on top of his, you know, it's Hillsong, New York, and he puts a laptop on top of his, of his piano and his kids are running around behind him and he just plays some songs to Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, that might be the most beautiful expression I've seen
0: Yeah. in this, you know, so. It kind of just got simpler. In a way, yeah. It got simpler right away, but then I think it started getting more and more complex as we kind of started figuring out how to like configure it and like create a broadcast that was very professional and right. But those first couple of weeks were really like sweet and simple,
1: very. And you know, I'm a big. You know this about me, but I'm a big kind of um, advocate for like bigger is not better. Yeah, the win is not the wow. Yeah, and and. I I'm an advocate for those because I have flesh covering my body and my flesh is at war with my spirit and will always be. And and so I'm just like any other worship leader find myself having walked down a road thinking this production is great and we're really representing something well whereas the gospel can be received by a kid sitting on the corner of his bed mm-hmm. or a guy on the street corner And as Bob Coughlin has so wonderfully said in his manifesto, Worship Matters, like there is nothing, there is no creativity or production that we can put around the gospel to make it more beautiful than it is. And and that was the testing ground, I think, for a lot of people of, does my thing rely on good production or does it simply just rely on the quality of a great
0: message? wow how did COVID affect the worship team like did you guys were you guys working from home yeah Um, we all went
1: home and I can give you my personal story I I it came at a good season for me where I was looking to um you know, I've, I'm 44. I'm trying to raise up 24-year-olds. So, so I was. So it was kind of fascinating being at home because I, I've always asked myself the question: Who is Andy without the weekend service? Mm. The only way to find that out is to quit for like two or three years. <laughs> but yeah. now, all of a sudden, we weren't doing weekend services. We were doing everything during the week. We were pre-filming it, and. um And I went out into my backyard and I got these two trees that are the furthest trees apart in my yard. It's about, I live on the back of a cul de sac. So I have this kind of like triangle that I live on. I've got these two trees and they're 110 feet apart. And I decided I wanted to put a zip line in. And so, but I have four boys at home. So I wanted to ride that zip line as well. And once you start doing the math, that requires the launching point of that zip line to be about 13 feet up in the air to carry a 220 pound guy. <laughs> and, um, and to cut a long story short, I, that, you know, you can't just put a ladder up in a tree. So I ended up building a tree house for my kids and I'm a musician. I am the last person on the planet who knows how to build a tree house. But I went out I found some YouTube videos. Thank you, Jesus. And, and I ended up building this treehouse and I was out there one morning kind of just, you know, just like hitting nails into the deck and the sun was coming up and the, it was misty and, and I just looked out across my yard and I was like, this is who Andy is without the weekend. He's a dad who just builds treehouses for his boys. And I could have done that anyway, but I think for me, and I think for the whole of our team, it became an exploratory time of who are we as worshippers when we're not defined by what we do, but who we are. Um, And is home, you know, the home that we live in really the prize for us? Or do we just go to church buildings to worship God or do we worship him by building tree houses Um, or spending time around our families and learning how to be present with our kids and our spouses. And, um, so I think for our whole team, that was a very exploratory season while we're on zoom calls a million times a day. And, um, Boy was I excited to get back into a meeting with people uh where you you lose a lot of the like humanisms and the mannerisms of sitting across a table from yeah. someone and just conversing. So
0: So are you fully back in now, the office?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um it's been a slow process to, to get back and and I think for everybody, right? We've kind of learned what does pacing yourself look like? Everybody got the reset on that as well. Yeah. And, um, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're back in the office, which is great.
0: I would imagine, I love that story of the treehouse story. I would imagine that a lot of worship leaders listening to this had that same kind of experience of learning to be present at home. And in a way you were forced to be at home because you couldn't go to the office and it made it hard to work, I know from my experience, like it also made it hard for work because I had you know my toddler running around and jumping in my lap for meetings and <clears throat> mm-hmm. and it was sweet, but it also was kind of hard because I felt like sometimes the separation from work and home makes it easier because you can like go somewhere and that's work, and then you can come home and really work on just like staying present at home. but what made this hard is that work and home were like one <laughs> that's right. And it was really challenging because I would be in a meeting and I would feel bad that I'm not like, you know, I hear my toddler screaming in the other room. And I'm like, I feel bad that I can't go play. Or if she's like, hey, come play with tiles with me. And I'm like, I can't. Yes. But you feel like you should. And I feel like there was like such a hard tension there.
1: Yeah, it, it, it kind of made us analyze um, who we are in that environment. It forced us to learn how we how we behave with our kids and whether our kids think well our kids have to learn who we are in a work environment (laughs) and and we have to also learn kind of um, you know if someone's in a meeting if I'm in a meeting here in my office and someone walks in I'm not like buddy, could you just go away for a second? Is, is is it okay? You know? And we had to, I think everybody had to learn a new language of how to react around their kids And mm-hmm. you know, in that season. Yeah, it was fascinating.
0: What, um, I think the churches have learned a lot from this process. There is something about that. I think that church, it felt for me at least that like we were on this kind of like we had we had this machine a conveyor belt of like how to do a service and it came around every seven days and like you know I think churches were kind of in a system on like how to do it and then COVID kind of came and messed all that up and we've adapted and changed are there things that you think that like should churches try to go back to exactly how it was before COVID or are there some really important lessons that we learned here that we really should adapt and or keep as a, a for everything moving forward with church
1: Yeah, I yes. I think that to to completely you know, you can you can go back to church and after COVID by walking forward into that new season mm-hmm. instead of walking up Let's unlearn all the things that we learned. That's the error, you know. And, and what we learned at our church from just data, and data doesn't lie, is, is that people started to tune in from outside of state and make harvest their home. <laughs> in fact, the nature of my own small group that I was in at the time changed. We picked up um, a guy who's completely in another state uh, who's a friend of a friend, and then um one of the guys in my small group went down to Tennessee, moved his family down there, and remained in the small group and those two guys are still in the small group, so the small group is now online and and forever will be if once you know while it remains that small group and um and so I think in that that was like that's the micro, but like in a macro way, I think that like. For sure, it is a big wake up call that, like, people might not physically come to church, Mm -hmm. but they want to engage in church. And it is our duty, as you know, a city on a hill that will not be hidden, to not retreat and unlearn those things that we've learned, but instead figure out ways within our staff, within our budgets, within our capabilities to continue to be connected to those people and reach those people. And then there's some churches that, good friends of mine who have hired online pastors and, um, and we've kind of done that. Like if you tune into our Sunday morning service, there's, there's a specific person who's just addressing the online community. But what they're doing every week is they're saying, hey, we would love if you do live in the area, we would love to see you here at Harvest because, you know, don't forsake the gathering, you know, and watching it on a TV screen is not the gathering. That's just you peering in a window. But you can get involved in the life of your church, our church from home. You can participate in a small group. But like um, so I think there's a bit of kind of like you have to figure out what you can do post COVID to reach those people. The one thing I will say, though, for sure, is that um, for worship specifically, you know, God didn't change the prescription. The Bible is full of prescriptions and and the prescription is worship me in spirit and truth. It's not spirit and truth and whatever you put in after that. And that's all great error sometimes is that we add things to the prescription just imagine like you get a prescription from a from a doctor and you go to the pharmacist and the pharmacist starts writing things on the prescription in addition you're just like wait a second what, a, what is happening there and, and, and God didn't change the prescription he still just wants spirit and truth worship Um, and the, the worship that God prescribed Is basically the the only worship that God will hear. That's what He's doing. That's what He's saying to the woman of the well in John four. He's saying this is the worship that I'll accept. And so, however we learn, whatever we've learned, and however we move forward post COVID, God is like God is not like well now now that, you know, you have an online community, let's change a little bit of this up. He's like, nope. the worship that I accept is spirit and truth worship. That's it. So, so give that to the people. Give them an opportunity to worship me in spirit and truth. And mm-hmm. everything else that you do around that is, is, is I support it. I'll put my favor in it. But the goal is, is, to, is to uphold spirit and truth worship, and that's the worship that I want.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And being able to do that in an online, I mean, that can translate into an online service or in-person service.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And as we're, you know, as, as a lot of churches are going back, you know, we're hearing that attendance is lower. And how would you say... How how do worship pastors or pastors even keep from getting discouraged, and how do they still lead well to a half-empty room?
1: Sure. Um, okay, I have a I have a thought about that. So um, years and years ago, we used to have a bookstore here at Harvest. It made no money whatsoever, but it was great had to go in there, and they had new CDs, you know, and uh, yeah. and new books and. And then uh, we hired a guy who um, his name's David Jones, and he helped like um, translate the ESV. And, and one of David's jobs was to go into the bookstore and just kind of weed out all of the books that that we wouldn't recommend. Say. Yeah. um And he spent months in there. I remember we were officing over there at the time, and, and I'd walk past. And he was always sitting on the floor, just like reading through books, you know. <laughs> And, and one day, in my kind of sarcastic British way, I I stuck my head in because the shelves were just like getting empty and empty, you know. <laughs> and, and I stuck my head in and I was like, wow, way to go, Dave. Just kind of like totally tanked the bookstore. Just like, you know, <laughs> me being like, and he looks up at me. And and in all seriousness, and it was great. I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he was like, "Andy, it's not the books that are not here; it's the books that are here that matter." Mm-hmm. And I think that, wow, um, whether people are sitting at home, um, they're still present. They're still seen. They're engaging with your community, or whether they are sitting in the seats. Um, it is sometimes in our natural eye an error to look at the empty seats and see loss instead of looking at the people who get up in the morning and of no compulsion decide to make your church their home and they come and they stand in the congregations and some of them sing because they are willing and some people don't sing because your church is a spiritual hospital for them and they're too hurt to even lift up a, a song to the Lord, but they do come. And, and I think, uh, changing, um, our vision from our natural eye to our spiritual eye of mm. seeing that we lead people to worship in, in a spiritual hospital, um, and just loving the people who, who have chosen to come or to turn in on, tune in online is the most um, loving thing that we can do for them, and is a complete 100% um, um, way of acting in the fullness of our giftedness.
0: Wow, yeah, that's so good. That's a really good reminder. I think um, <clears throat> for my wife and I, watching church online was really fun at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually kind of nice because we were like, we don't have to check our kid into childcare. And like, you know, well at that time we were in the lobby most of the time with a crying baby. Yeah, And it was like, well now we get to at least be in our living room drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> no one's, you know, we're not disturbing anybody with our crying baby. Yeah. Um, But after a while, it started to get old and just started feeling really disconnected. I had the same kind of story in that my small group also went completely virtual. And we had one guy in Arizona, one guy in Florida, and it was like totally disconnected. And I'll say that it has been really hard for us to get back into church, into going, because it was easier just to watch at home. And you said something interesting too that I think a lot of people have realized is that you don't have to go to your local church anymore. You could just watch Hillsong in Australia or, hey, next week we're gonna go to Elevation. <laughs> and then next week we're gonna go to Passion. And, you know, like people are just tuning into churches all over the place. It's almost like very consumer kind of driven. Yeah. And I'm curious just from a, from a worship pastor perspective, Someone who's like serving a local church. Like, what would you, what would you say to someone like me who maybe has been having a harder time going back yeah. to in-person gathering? Because I think that this thing really has disconnected people so much. Yeah. COVID has.
1: Yeah. Um, we've gone back to one service, and my favorite part about I serve here out in Elgin most of the time and we're still at one service and the room's getting pretty full and I'm kind mm. of a little anxious about going to two services because my favorite part of the Sunday morning it's going to sound crazy but my favorite part is right at, right as the service ends um, people just hang out for like an hour
0: Hmm. they miss it
1: yeah and and when we have multiple services everybody who comes to the first service has in the back of their mind that another service is starting and fast as they can they're back to their cars and, mm-hmm. and that's always been a big thing for me it's always been a big kind of like isn't it crazy how like the says, do not forsake the gathering and yet people show up they stand shoulder to shoulder side by side Singing songs to a screen and then retreating to their cars, (laughs) um, you know, because there's a ham in the oven that needs to get out. And 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 I'm like, at what point did we fellowship together like this morning? And um, and I think the part of the part that that I would encourage someone to come back to is the fact that our churches are not big events. They're rehearsals for the big event. And the big event is a table with a banquet where you will sit next to your wife, Lord willing. I'm hoping to sit next to mine. And around the table with my friends um, who also love Jesus and we're going to spend eternity with each other. And I want to rehearse my soul for that and it's a lot less about hearing the announcements or I can sing songs of praise in my car if I want to Um, but but the gathering is a sacrifice it's going to cost you some time it's going to cost you some effort Hebrews 13-15 let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips to acknowledge his name so the so the, the Lord already knows that singing to God and participating in worship is going to cost you something. Mm. And it might cost you the, the inconvenience of, of getting up early and getting the kids ready and coming to church and dropping them in. Uh, the checkbox, as we all know as worship leaders, is, is not so that the person can walk away and say, I sang. The goal is that they walk away and say, I spent time with my family. I spent time in the presence of the Lord with the people that that love me. And there's no question uh, from what we are seeing in younger generations through cell phones that uh, this is not a close second to real community. Right. Um, it just is what it is.
0: I know, I kind of wish we were hanging out in person right now instead of virtually. Right. But I don't right. kind of wish, I definitely wish. And that's the weird thing about online services. I think it's such a catch-22 of that it has enabled churches to be able to reach a lot more people that maybe would have never stepped foot in a church. But at the same time, the people who used to step foot in the church now are like more disconnected than ever. Because I think there's a lot of people just not going back because they're watching them online. And I've kind of wondered, like, well, maybe churches just need to, like, what's worse? I don't know. You know, should churches just stop doing online services so that people have to kind of get back in community? Because I think that is an important piece. But
1: No, I just think that it's not one or the other. The online community exists to... Share what is happening in the church, as long as the people who are communicating from the church to the congregation in the online community make it clear to them that, that the purpose of the online presentation is to give them an alternative to the physical gathering and that the physical gathering is the primary prescription again <laughs> that god is uh, is wanting from us yeah.
0: Yeah that's, yeah, that's really good. My other question for you is a lot of churches right now I think are also struggling to find volunteers yeah. and people to play. I was just at a church uh, that you and I, uh, a church you and I both know down in Naperville, yeah. uh, High Point. I was just leading worship there a couple weeks ago. And in the green room, we were just talking and they were, they were just sharing how it's such a struggle finding band members. And I'm like, I think this is just about every church ever, <laughs> everywhere. Well, and uh, I would be curious, just from your your perspective, what tips do you have for those who are troubled with finding people to serve on your worship team?
1: Firstly, is um, is, and I'm not trying to give like a, a tricky answer to this, but I think that like again, we can often be to consumed with the empty shelves of the bookstore instead of the books that are there and, and being thankful for the people who are there and willing to give their time is something that, that I have found myself, I wouldn't say this unless I was first mm-hmm. in line of being guilty of, of that we have often just kind of like overlooked those people searching for new people. Um, when in fact, like having a good, um liturgy of how you lead people in worship i think um uh, releases us to have some weeks where we can have a whole band on stage and then some weeks where we just get up there with an acoustic guitar and we're just kind of like you know in my again in my british sarcastic mind the alternative version of andy would get up on stage and say uh, I was just checking that you guys don't need a band to worship God right and the whole congregation would be like yeah and they would be like great let's sing you know and, and so I think firstly my word to worship leaders would just be kind of like know that God is not counting success or significance based on how many people you have serving in your ministry but on the fact of whether at the end of the day people are going back to their cars thinking God is awesome and um, and if you can do that with an acoustic guitar, just remember that every song that you're playing was written on one instrument. Hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how how crazy or elaborate you want that band to be. You know, someone sat in a room with a piano or an acoustic guitar, and 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 owns the most precious version of that song. In its in its truest form, maybe and uh, and you are not shortchanging God who is your only audience at the weekend um, by just giving it back to him and his people by delivering it in that truest form but then you know i'm I'm not the worship pastor at a church with just two hundred people and I'm scrambling for. That sense of, well, I would like some musicians. Mm-hmm. And, and prayer is always going to be the top of the list. It's the thing that God puts his stock in. God puts his stock in prayer. Ask and you shall receive. Pray the people in. And they might need to transition out of a ministry that they're in. They might be moving across the country to your church. But you have to participate in a relationship with Um, and knows who they are. And did I lose you for a second there? I felt like I just for a second. Up. But we got you but back. Right. Uh, but praying those people in is crucial. And um, um, and and I'll say it again, and I'll land the plane here. But just like worship leader, be released from the pressure of bigger is better. Be released from the, the, the thinking that, like, that I have to have a full band to be able to worship God, um, but instead develop a relationship with Him in prayer and watch Him build your ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, you participate in being active in that um, by seeking people out, but by praying them in, but let Him build His church. I will build my church, He says. And, uh, are you sure, Lord? Because I feel like you want me to build it, and he's like, "No, no, no, no. I will build my church. I just invited you into the process. Um, so talk to me and uh, ask me for what you need. If you need a drummer, let's go find a drummer. You know. And uh, but part of the beautiful thing, Matt, that you have is is that if I was in that church with, I mean, we use tracks every weekend for you know. Yeah. 50, 60, 70% of the songs. We use, tr- we use tracks with vertical. Um, I'm standing on your shoulders of, of what you have provided for the church. I'm a firsthand recipient of that. And, and, if it, and, and in a sensitive and careful approach, if I was in a church that lacked some volunteers while I was praying them in, I would utilize the maximum Benefits that you guys offer through Through the systems Mm -hmm. that you've set up. I think it's beautiful. I think because what you've given people is not the like Hey, here's a track you be a karaoke guy and play along You know what you've given people are here are all the musicians you pick what you want to use Right know, and 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 let that support your thing and I think that's just yeah amazing
0: I love that word, too, that you don't have to feel like you have to have a full band. <laughs> like, I do think that worship leaders feel the pressure that they have to, like, sound like the album and that recording. And you don't have to have that. That's way too much pressure.
1: Yeah. But you've but you've written songs, Matt. And, like, probably some of those voice notes that you have on your phone when that song mm-hmm. first got written, And then we're like, okay, let's capture that, you know. Yeah. And then you play it. Like... You know that those are some of the sweetest versions of those songs. Yeah. And so why would we be cheating the Lord by leading our people in the original version of the song?
0: Wow. All right, Andy, I have one more question for you. If you were having coffee with a young worship leader, or a young person who wants to be a worship leader. What's the main, like, one thing you would want to impart and share with them, you know, from your years and years and years of being worship pastor?
1: No, I think you know the answer to this because I'm a broken record that spins, but but, yep. um, but the nail in the middle is always going to be love the people more than the music. And no. I think that that's the, I think the enemy is direct conflict against the enemy who's like, no, 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 I love the music more than the people. And uh, that's why I know that that that's the Lord's mission for us. It's the, you know, love the Lord with all your with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then love your neighbor, and then He finishes the sentence. It's clear that like to love people is to love God. And and I love music a lot. I've given my life and my career to it, but um, let us not elevate the vehicle that we so beautifully travel on over the people that we are trying to transport there um, and the destination of where we're trying to get to. and. And so my word to a worship leader is love the people more than the music, but welcome to the battle. Welcome to the, I think the truest form of a worship leader standing on the front line is not with a guitar around his neck, but it's with a Bible in one hand and a flag in the other and, and just ready to like run down the hill into the valley and being like, come on people, let's go. And to do that, that person needs a lot of influence. Um, and you don't gain influence. I would trade all the authority in the world for a small ounce of influence where people would be like, um, I feel cared for by that guy. I feel seen by that guy. I feel known by that guy. So that when I step up on stage at the weekend and I'm like, let's run down into the hill, let's, sorry, run down into the valley, let's take the field for Christ. That it wasn't based on music, but it was based upon that relationship.
0: Andy, that's so good. Can I ask you one other question that just popped in my head? Sure. Because I want to know this. I just want to know this about you, just out of curiosity. Like, uh, of the question of who is Andy Rozier. If, let's just say, worship leading was not a career, like you couldn't work at a church, you can't get paid to lead worship, you can't. What would you do?
1: I would drive Amazon Prime trucks around. I already know the answer to
0: that. Amazon Prime trucks.
1: Yeah, I would. Because it's the way that I think that in my... Firstly, I could listen to, like, podcasts about (laughs) the Bible and stuff all day long. and music. And music, you know. And... um, But also... um, It's strange for, like for the introverted person that I am inside um, the thought of just handing someone something that they've been waiting for and oh. the joy that that comes when they see a a package arriving like I do every time the Amazon Prime yeah. out, you know
0: that. you want to be Santa Claus
1: I'm 44 years old and there's still that part of me that's just like the kid inside that's like Ooh, what arrived, you know, yeah. and just being that guy, just like what a, what a, what a sweet
0: job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but the way you said that for some reason it gave me goosebumps and it's a funny thing to get goosebumps over, but that is true. It is a, that would be a very special thing.
1: It would, it really would.
0: Wow. Yeah. Andy Razier, Amazon prime truck driver, man. I, it's funny because when I find myself talking to the worship leaders about worship and loop community and interviews, podcasts, whatever, I find myself saying a lot of things that I'm like, that was, I learned that from Andy Rozier, <laughs> like even like the thing, like uh, people over the music, like yeah. I've said that before, there's things that I've said that I'm like, I learned that from Andy and you hey, just have so much wisdom, le- man.
1: We learned it together. That's what we did.
0: Have you thought about writing a book? I'm sure you've thought a a
1: lot lot, it. A lot of people have asked me about it. and You need to. I don't know, dude. Maybe this is the book, just these conversations.
0: Oh, it's so good. I feel like God has just really, really gifted you with, with wisdom and the way to mentor worship leaders. And I know you're doing that a lot with Vertical Worship Cohort, I think it's called, right? hmm Yeah, before we go, is there anything you actually want to like say as far as like where can worship leaders find you or music uh, and...
1: Yeah, just um my cell number is 847-489-2250. 847-489-2250 That's my cell number. If you want me to pray for you if you want me to answer a question, I'll answer it. Like we're all
0: Yeah.
1: We're all on level ground in the kingdom. So but yeah, I mean there's vertical, there's harvest, there's yeah, right. all
0: those things. Andy thank you so much man good to see you again
1: you're welcome it's good to see you brother take care of that yeah. sweet family of yours
0: <laughs> you too you too yeah all right see you, man. all right you guys that was a very very I very much enjoyed that conversation with Andy um I've actually missed seeing him missed talking to him so much wisdom And I've seen him pour into lives of, I've seen him firsthand pour into the lives of so many worship leaders, people who have come to different conferences at their church and workshops that they teach when they're on tour and um, just a lot of really good stuff there. So I would love for you guys down in the comments on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching this, or if you're listening to a podcast, write down in the comments just what is the one thing that you walked away from this conversation with? What's one thing that stuck out to you? Maybe something you want to implement in your worship ministry or church or just just a little nugget that you're like, you know, I'm going to hold on to that. Um, I'd love to hear from you on that. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Facebook, YouTube, the podcast, and uh, stay tuned for other great conversations with uh, worship pastors. Thanks for joining us today. Bye. This is Matt. Thanks for listening. Hey, let us know what's the main thing you learned from today's talk. Write it down in the comments. Send us a DM. We hope to hear from you soon.